What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of On the Bluff. I'm your host, Christian Fowler. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Gabe Coon. What's up, Gabe? What's up, dude? How you doing? I took a trip back to St. Louis. Back-to-back weekends, I had Chicago and then St. Louis. Yeah. Best city in America, one of the best cities in America to get food, worst city in America to get food, St. Louis. think St. Louis is the worst? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's close. Twisted Ranch is close. Wait, you- Twisted Ranch is solid. I just, I didn't. I, I guess more, more so. I'm speaking to where I was at. I was out in West County where I was raised. There ain't, okay, there's nothing. There ain't out there. shit to eat no, out, there. out there. I did get an Emos <laughs> pizza though. Yeah. So, somebody called me today and said, "I'm in Carryville this morning. Where should I eat?" And I'm like, "Uh, no, no I don't know. I have no earthly idea. Silver caboose." Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm like, what's bo- a, what's a, what's the what's the yeah booyahs. booyahs. That's booyahs what I was gonna good. bring up. Booyahs Memphis Pizza Cafe. Memphis Pizza Cafe. Yeah, I was like, listen, man. If Tracy and I are trying to go in town or trying to go eat somewhere nice, we just go in town, man. We don't yeah. we don't mess around in Carville. No. Where would like Tony's Trophy Room is that Germantown? Uh, that's no, that's Carville. That's Carville. That's, that's, that's solid. Uh, there's, solid. A, there's a little a Skybox. Ta- solid. What's that? Skybox it's a bar, grill, it's bar a grill. restaurant bar very and grill. Solid. Very solid. Skybox is better than Tony's. Yes. Kenny, there's a little pizza place in the square, like a little Italian place in the square. I'm it's gone sure. now, I think. Is it? It got it got replaced. No, there was two Italian spots. One is the pizza place you're talking about. It's kind of fan like it, it's like there's like table like white tablecloths oh, on the tables and stuff. It's it's really freaking good actually. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Can't but, think of the name. But yeah, St. Louis, I had to get my Emo's pizza. I was good after that. After that you were straight. I, I mean the, the Italian spots on the hill are good, but outside of that, St. Louis is kind of a meh. Cafe Piazza is what you're talking about. Cafe Christian. Piazza. Yep. Uh, Twisted Ranch is hit. Yeah, and they have but the thing is like that's a that's a gimmicky restaurant. It, absolutely. They have like 12 different types of ranch. But they're all <laughs> they're all good. Like one of the, their biggest they're like top selling appetizer <laughs> for those who don't know about Twisted Ranch in St. Louis. There's like two locations now, I think. Two yeah. or three. Yeah, yeah, there's two. Their their biggest appetizer that they that they serve is they just give you fries. And then they put all their ranches around it. Heck yeah, that's it's gimmicky cool. though. It, that's it is, hell, that's it very is. gimmicky. But the actual, I mean, I got a burger there. Solid. It was it was a good burger. But it's like so, Kenny. It's like you get a when you sit down. There's a piece of paper, <laughs> yeah, like at your table, and you take the piece of paper and you mark which ranches you want. Because <laughs> yes. there's there's a legit like forty of them. So you pick. Like, How American is that, by the very, way? You pick like twelve or fifteen, and you give it to them, and they bring it, and it is. They're all good. They're all very good. Fattening the, Midwest. Yes. Nasty. The cheddar, the ranch good. dressing is low key like my favorite condiment. I well, think. okay. Best best ranch dressing though. Can we all agree? Wingstop has like Wingstop is top tier. Oh, it's top tier. You know what? You know what's in a. You know what's my favorite in Memphis is Huey's. Huey's ranch is Huey's just is good. Memphis, top Memphis tier. Pizza Cafe too. Memphis Pizza yeah, Cafe yeah, yeah. is good. Got it. Got Lost Pizzas is fire too. I don't like I've Lost Pizza. They I've have one there. in Carryville. I love Lost Pizza. Okay. Not a big fan. Because my favorite is chicken and pineapple pizza. I love it. Yeah. And their chicken and pineapple is boo-boo juice. And I love how we're talking about food off the top when like a couple weeks ago we got a bunch of comments from all you listeners oh, out yeah. there. Thanks for listening yeah. about how we're the hungriest, we're the hungriest podcast, podcast ever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know I if you so. noticed, but we pretty much start off every episode talking about yeah, food. Yeah. Um, but no, why I was in St. Louis, I brought up food first. I was, <laughs> I was in for a, uh, a funeral. For my beloved Aunt Kay. And sorry, it to was, uh, it's, sorry to hear that, man. It's, it's, uh, she was she was suffering for a little bit, but she uh she's uh in a better place now. Um yep. but it was it was a you ever been to like a surprisingly happy funeral? Like mm. like everybody was just in good spirits. Yeah. Got to drink with my family a little bit after the they had had a couple of cocktails because that's what Kay wanted us to do. Yeah. 
So that was that was nice catch up with family. I think I would have liked Aunt Kay. Funerals are <laughs> uh, funerals are like a very it's just interesting, man. Like because it's like you don't want anyone in your family to die, but it always is kind of that excuse for everyone to everybody to come together, people yeah. you haven't seen in a while to catch up. For sure, that, that's always nice. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, I'll be going out of town this weekend, this upcoming weekend. Yeah, to Arlington, Texas. To watch the Cowboys versus the Green Bay Packers versus the Green Bay Packers okay. in the wild card round. Right. That'd be fun, fun. I can't wait. Okay, I'm, I have not been to a Cowboys game since 2005, so uh, I've never even been to AT and T Stadium. Oh, it's as, as, as a, a Cowboys cow- game. Yeah, you've went been to there. the Cotton Bowl, but that's that's gonna be fun. Oh, dude, I'm psyched. You're gonna be so. Are you even gonna show up next Monday if they lose to the Packers? I don't know, boys. I'm gonna cancel next Monday. <laughs> like, this might be a this might be a Kenny and Gabe uh, like episode. for real. Are you gonna be okay? Because like I know that you, I know every Cowboy fan mentally prepares himself for the inevitable playoff loss that yeah. the Cowboys will uh, suffer gets, at some get, point. Get, get sent home with. Yeah, but if it's the Packers, Cowboys fans are just gonna be you know talk them down off the ledge. First year quarterback. And by the way, over hey, a touchdown favorite, Jordan Love. Credit where credit's due. 32 TDs, 11 INTs, 4,100 yards. It was a prove-it year, and he proved it. Like yeah, he, but this, he's going to be the guy going for it. It's not a game the Cowboys should lose. Right. There's a reason they're seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Oh, I get it. I completely understand. I yeah, completely no, understand. I, mean, I mean, the Packers are better than expected this year, but their run defense is atrocious. The Cowboys are at home. They should win. Can I bring up a discussion point that has been just – it just all over my mind because I see a lot of Cowboys fans that are not Memphis fans by any stretch of imagination going after Tony Pollard. What 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 are your thoughts before we get into the like Memphis basketball and everything else? What are your thoughts on Tony as the number one back? I think okay. It, did you did you watch any of the Cowboys and Commanders game? I didn't yesterday? really. No, no, no. Okay, because I so, knew it was going to be a blowout. I didn't get to watch any of it. So Greg Olson, who we have applauded multiple times, he's, be, be, best guy doing it right now, and like from an analyst agree, perspective, agreed. yeah, absolutely agreed. He said the NFL works in a weird way. Sometimes you have explosive players that they're in a situation where you don't feel like they're getting the amount of carries that they should be getting based on their production with those carries. But he said you can look back through, and this is we know this is true, but like you can look back through history and there are hundreds of examples of players who were in a lesser role, got into an expanded role, and were not the same players that they were right. beforehand. Just because Tony is one of those players, and he's said it himself, like he's not someone who needs 20 carries a game. Like that's not who he is. He wants a limited workload. So I think that may play a part into it that maybe he is more of the lightning and that he and they don't have that thunder role. Also the offensive line just hasn't been as good this year and also also he is coming off of a devastating injury right. in the playoffs last year. But he didn't he didn't lose a whole bunch of explosion. No, no, no. It was but just getting back in the groove. It, he ran like for that. what 94960 something like that this 1005. year. 1005. Oh, yeah. I, oh, counting the command. So he ran for 1000 yards. I see people saying he's not a one number one back and the way I would I think and I, I brought this up with Jeff Calkins on my show and he's like why how are you going to blame a number two back for a number one back not delivering great production. Because I do think Zeke was the thunder to his lightning, sure. and it just it provided a different look. And I don't think that 
Tony's been handed the perfect keys to a great backfield no. with Rico Dowdle well, uh, Rick, as his backup. Rico Dowdle has not looked bad. I think Rico <laughs> should have been getting more carries throughout the year. But I don't know if that's the type of back that's going to make a defense think twice. You know what I mean? I don't think Ezekiel it does, Elliott was but it making anybody think twice. But well, I, I think the Unless in between were, the tackles, pounding on people, not throwing it out to the edge the consistently. Line. Yeah, like I think that that provided a di- once Tony got in, there was just a different look for him to take a, take advantage of and exploit. Uh, agreed. I don't think Rico Dowdle is going no, no, to provide no. that. I no. don't think he does. No, I think he's solid. I but think they need a more uh, more balanced, deeper backfield than what they have right this second just, behind Tony. I don't see him being with the Cowboys long term. Tony. Yeah. And they paid him ten million this year on the franchise tag. I just don't see him being a guy that you sign long term. Unless for well, if he came twelve to fifteen. If they, if they came to a resolution yeah, where he's getting for, if he wanted like money, twelve to fifteen a year, I just don't think there's any way they would do I that. I don't know if backs are getting that the secret. I don't think yeah. backs are getting that anyway. No. No, I'm with you. Um okay, let's transition from hey, this because we're gonna before talk we get, I I do want to say this before we get started. I wanna applaud y'all's two dedication to coming and filming a podcast on a oh, Monday night a because listen, man, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm, I'm ready for the days we can go live and do this thing in person, live in person on the, the, the YouTubes, but we film this on a Monday night and guess what's going on right now. Natty. This is the third consecutive national championship yeah. that we have. Last got. year. We didn't miss much. <laughs> we were good. No, it was we, good did to miss jo- that. we recorded during Georgia TCU. We recorded during the basketball NCAA championship. And here we are for the second. Yeah. I just want to say thank you guys for coming and recording tonight. Oh, of course. When y'all could have easily said. <laughs> and, and also, you know, I'm sidebar, sick. it's literally right here. It's literally yeah. right there. So if y'all We're see, not going to pan the camera to it, but yeah. it is right there. It is. If you see Christian Corner looking over eye. his right shoulder. That's, that's why. That's what's going on. And by on. the way, it's early second quarter and Michael Penix Jr. just, uh, just missed Jalen McMillan. I believe it's either Jalen McMillan or uh, Roman Dunsey on a wide open corner route. Know. Wide open on a corner Check it out right here. And Look, it was behind him. It? it was it was a Dunsey. Missed, Missed him. him. Yeah. Oh, mm, that's tough. that's gonna come back later to haunt him. Tough scenes. Um, okay, we're gonna jump into Memphis basketball in just a second. First off, I want to shout out Michael and Kaylee, my yes. best friend Michael. If you've been around, let's the go show for a while. He and his wife welcomed a beautiful baby girl into this world at 5.30 this morning, Monday morning. Uh, so pretty cool. Shout out to Michael, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to Big Mike. Yeah. New pops. He's a father now. Yes. He's a, he's, a, he's a girl dad. And I'll tell you, he's my first like close, close friend to have a kid. And I'll tell you, after me and Michael have been friends for 18 years now, after growing up with somebody for 18 years and seeing all the stupid things that he has done in that time and it's all the stupid things that we've done together... It is kind of crazy to think that he is now a father. (laughs) Now he's a daddy. Now he is a dad. Um, But moving on, Gabe, let's talk a little bit of Memphis basketball. We know that's what the people come for anyway. How are we feeling right now? We're on the heels of another close win. This one over SMU, who I think is a better team than they probably get credit for, especially after last year. Well, in the net, they get a lot of credit, buddy. It's true. And the net, they get a it's lot true. of credit. And we're going to have to, I'm going to have to, Please. we're going to have a real discussion about the net. I don't understand it. Hey, I, I just want you to know, Gabe, last week I th- threw something at, at Trey for saying the word net. The only reason I didn't throw something at you is because I'm scared of you. All okay. Right? That's I the only you. reason. I'm bringing up net, but I think you'll probably agree with my, my uh, sentiment on the net when we get to it. All right, yeah. cool. But they were the 39th in net. Yeah. 
And they're what top fifteen? They're fifteenth in 15th defense and adjusted defense. That SMU team's solid, yeah. man. Um, and I think that they'll. I mean, especially with the way FAU's trending, I wouldn't be shocked if, if SMU's two. two come tournament time, AAC no. tournament time. No, I wouldn't either. Because they they have some some good pieces offensively, led by Zerk Phelps, and then yep. you have defensively. If you're a top fifteen team in in defense, you're a pretty damn good defensive ball club. And and that was a very sixty two fifty nine holding that Memphis offense down yep. like that, making Naquan Tomlin foul out, making I, making forcing Memphis to have a second half comeback right? down by twelve. Uh, at the, the rebounding half. was unreal. Yeah. Um, Twenty nine to five. But, uh, no, oh no, twenty-five to nine. Twenty-five to nine. Uh, and, and then it was twelve to two on the offensive boards. That was that was literally. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to look far as to why Memphis was trailing by twelve in all. that first half. Not it is all. literally twenty-five to nine, twelve to two on the offensive boards. Yep. Now, to their credit, they turned it around in a huge way. Uh, I, I think by the end of the game, they had thirty-five rebounds, and they had it was sixteen to six on the offensive board. So they ended up getting. Uh, it was four to four, four on to the four. offensive boards in the second half, and they sort of figured it out as they went along. But I'll tell you a couple things that I'm noticing: a um, lot of hero ball, a lot of hero ball. It's true. They are not assisting each other like they should. And I know they're talented, and I know that they try to use that talent, try to get ISO situations. But there's way too much of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason as to why in that Tulsa game they struggled so hard against that two-three zone because they're not used to passing the ball around and finding open right. looks the way they should. Right. They're used to David Jones taking the ball and going to make it something Scoring. happen. What was um, it, the 11th straight game that he led Memphis in school? <laughs> something like that. Pretty wild. Something like that. And then the other thing I think is I, I, I look at these first two conference games and I do question their – I question how – locked into the game plan they are against lesser opponents at this point. Agreed. Those three games against top 25 opponents, they were locked into the game plan, sharing the ball, doing everything they can could to go get a win, but it feels like there's something amiss, like they're just not taking these teams as serious as they should. Yeah, and I'm going to save save some despair and fear of Memphis fans. This team is going to drop one or two games to a bad team. <laughs> They're go- it's go- it's, it's it gonna it's gonna feels happen. inevitable at this moment. Yeah, yes. it, it's it's gonna happen at some point. You, you we've talked about it. We talked about it a lot last week. They go on a road game against a bad AAC opponent. This team is very capable of dropping a game. You see how close they played against multiple bad teams this year. And I want to get your opinion on this because there's there's two schools of thought you can kind of come from on this is the sloppy play in the close games and playing down to inferior opponents is one half of it. The other half of it is Memphis is playing relatively bad in some of these games, specifically like we just talked about the first half against SMU. But guess what? They're winning these games. So how do you how do you balance how do you balance looking at that like clearly clearly winning all these yeah. close games against opponents that are lesser than you in most cases is a little bit concerning. But the fact that you can go out there against quality opponents like SMU, who we're sitting here saying is a solid team and could potentially be a tournament team, and you're playing bad, down by 12, only score 24 points. I think that was right, 24 points in the first half. 36-24. Yeah, and you come back and you win that game. 
is it's positive Listen, in a sense. And, so and I, like, I, how do you look at it? But in that second half, like you see what they're capable For of sure. to cut that deficit to win by three. J- Javon Quinterly, by the way, we haven't really discussed that as a, as a whole. Um, the guy is got ice in his ice veins. In his veins. Yeah. Like, good God, two games in a row did that. And then also you were down Caleb Mills. You were down Naquan Tomlin. I'll say this. I think there's something amiss. I think that this team's playing with fire very clearly. 100%. Very clearly. But I lean more glass half full because in the end of the day, 13-2, and two, number 13 in the AP poll, four top 25 wins. They were unbelievable in their out-of-conference. Um, you know, I... I I tend to, as long as they continue to win these games, just not push that panic, oh, panic button, pull the panic alarm. I'm like, definitely I don't, not. I don't do anything like that when they're continuing to win ball games. And I think it's very, it shows that they are a very resilient team. The fact that they are now eight and one in games decided by six points or less, like they are resilient. They're getting whether it's against inferior competition or good competition, they are getting to that point where you can start to call them a relatively battle tested team. Yeah. Yeah, but to me, like Memphis is that team that you just want to grab by the shoulders and shake and say, what are you doing? (laughs) You can put together these stretches against top 25 quality opponents where you look incredible and you win those games, and then you have moments like they have over the last several games, like the Vanderbilt game and the Tulsa game, where it's just like, "Why why can we not do this from the beginning? Why does it have to be sloppy, and why does it have to be inconsistent? Why can't it be, okay, remember how we played against A&M and Clemson and Virginia, specifically Virginia, right. with the way they dominated that game? Why can't this be put together for for an entire game? Because it really doesn't make sense. They know they're capable of it. They've seen it happen on the road, at home. It hasn't mattered really where it's at, so you can't really make an argument of that. Um, it's the same team now minus Caleb Mills, obviously, but – Sad, by what, the way. Yeah, very sad. Very sad for him. But what is it? Like, why can't they get it together and put it together in these bad games? Because now Memphis fans don't have a ton to be upset about. A top no. 15 team in the country, 13 wins, all the out-of-conference play that they had. Give them an opportunity, they will. But the, th- <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is, is it, fans in general are going to find something to complain about, right? And the complaint now is... Why can't this team blow anybody yes. out? Why can't they have a dominant win? I mean, really, they haven't had many this year. Their biggest win this and, year and was against Virginia, right? Point like points yeah. wise, twenty three points. Right, was against Virginia, and so it's like if you can do that against a quality top twenty five opponent, why is Memphis not beating Tulsa by fifteen to twenty five points? It, I, there's it doesn't some, make again, sense. Something amiss. It doesn't something make amiss. Sense. And the argument you'll hear from people that are on the glass you know, half empty side, they'll say, well, they're not blowing out these teams, so they're not going to get any favors when it comes to net and metrics and everything else. They need to start blowing teams out. So then I I heard somebody make the case that if they blow these teams out, they can afford, like Houston did over all those years, they can afford to lose one game and no one's going to push the panic alarm and no one's going to freak out and their metrics won't fall completely. They'll just say it was an off night. But if you string together a bunch of these games in a row where you're beating inferior competition by two or three points and then you lose one everybody's going to say well they've been playing like that right. for a while right the, now they've just, just lost now they finally lost yeah I think, I think the beauty of it is is that they got a team now with javon quinterly leading the way who has seen it all and he yeah. is very aware of the playing with fire 
Yeah, but but he even he these last two these last two games he's yeah. played with fire in his own way. Well, man. no, and he, now, caught, he came through in the end. Yeah, yeah. But right. he he has had he has some, was, some rough stretches right, of basketball. Like he was mistake free in first those games. half. First half of the SMU game rough. Yeah. Second half of that Tulsa game very rough. Right. Oh no, he talked about it. He was asked straight up last night after the game. He said. Uh, I think Terry Davis asked, like, why are you struggling getting going? Like, why aren't you asserting yourself more? And he said, honestly, I'm trying to figure that out myself. Like, yeah. he was aware of it. And I love that, that he's aware that he's like, no, I am. I For this team to be successful, I need to be out there more. I need to be doing more. I need to be asserting myself more. And then he he was asked by Tim Buckley. He said, uh, you know, basically, um, you, you guys are playing with fire, and he said we absolutely are playing with fire. And if we don't fix this, we will get stuck soon. See, that's yeah. that's the thing is like, uh, even when you win, can you fight the complacency of oh, we still won that game? Complacency right. is the word. Right. Let's yeah. calm down. Even when you win by three in a game like that, you need to push on the gas harder. Yeah. Right? Can yeah. they do that? That's been my question. Even yeah. after the Tulsa game. Can you it, get it, back to the drawing board after a win, fight that complacency, and still make the changes you need to make? And it's not just to like even zoom in closer on this, this is not can they do it? We know they can do it. Can they do it against inferior opponents? Can yeah. they do it when the arena is 10% full? Can they do it when they're not on national TV? Like, we know that they can do it in those moments when the lights are bright, when they're playing a quality opponent, when it's a big game atmosphere. We've seen it. There's no denying it. There's not been a game like that really where they just haven't shown up or they would have gotten blasted by those teams. Outside of maybe no, <laughs> but but that's a, that's a different right. environment. Can they do it on a Tuesday night in UTA, Tulsa, San Oklahoma, Antonio. Or San Antonio? <laughs> like that? And that's the question: Can this team do it? I I really don't have many doubts that when they get to the AAC tournament <laughs> yeah. or the NCAA tournament, yeah. what they're going to look right. like and what they play like. It's the in between. Yes, and all of that. The only reason that matters because I think they're they'll win plenty of games. This team is a turn almost a tournament lock. It's seed line. Yes. Is the only reason that these Stay games matter. Stay in the three, four, five line. Right. Stay yes. there. Don't go anything under six. Right now they're four. Right. That's well, what I'm saying. Yeah. They're, depending, they're, yeah. If you talk to, if you look at Lenardi's stuff. Right. Which, it, which they're in that range right now. So it's right. like, stay in this range. If you start dropping three, four games that you yeah. shouldn't drop, then you're going to be back but, to stuck in that eight, nine game and playing a one seed. And they have every... They have no reason not to be a top five yes. seed. There's zero. You've already excuses. you've already put it out there. Yes, yes you put it and, out and, there, and, and you beat the tough and teams. The only now thing it's that, trash. The only thing that the only thing that keeps you out of that three four five line at this point is what three losses in conference. Just avoid three. Yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, avoid two if you can. Avoid any if you can at all costs. I don't think one loss is going to absolutely no, no. hamper them. I don't either. I think three um, is probably that. But number. this is something I've I've struggled with um, because you have the. I've talked about the people that are sort of glass half empty about you know metrics and not beating teams by a lot, and that doesn't help your metrics. And I agree with that. I completely agree with that. But at the same time, like I I sort of question how much. Winning by a lot in these types of games is going to matter because e even if they lose, like any loss is going to going to dock them seemingly the same, right? Right. right? I guess it would just be like a, the mentality thing I was talking about earlier. Sure. If you have been playing bad and skating by, and then you lose, it would look worse. But I don't know if the national people, the the people that that uh, run these metrics, Ken Palm. Net, I don't think that that's how it's looked at necessarily. Yeah. So I've sort of I, struggled with that back and forth. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Let's let's get into that. Let's get into the metric conversation because Memphis is barely a top fifty team in both 
Net and Ken Palm. This is a team that is 13 and two. They are the number 13 team in the country according to the AP Top 25. I, I can you make it make sense? No, uh, <laughs> Ken Palm. I, I'm going to throw to the side for a second because uh, Ken Pomeroy, who does the whole thing, like he has his reasons. He does adjusted offense, adjusted defense, ranks them that way. Uh, efficiency ratings, pace ratings. Right. He does all that. So I think. Like, I'm not going to question his work. There's a little more basis. I'm not going to question his that. work. The net makes no earthly sense because it's based on quads. Right. And Memphis is second in the country behind Purdue with the amount of quad one and quad two wins they have, yet they're at 48. Yeah. And SMU, who they played, was 39 going into that game. After they lost, they're still ahead of the Tigers with more losses, with less quality wins. I, If we're going to do the net thing, right, and you're going to do the quadrant system. Let's go by the quadrants and what the wins, like how many wins do they have in quad one? How many wins do they have in quad quad two? Quad three, losses. What are their losses looking like? The fact that Memphis is behind SMU tells me that that is the most arbitrary, uninformed, <laughs> confusing yeah. metric in, in just about all the sports. It does not make sense in in the slightest. And A and M is ahead of them. I think they're thirty eight, thirty four, and they're nine and five now. They've lost a few games. Yeah, I, I I understand the net matters, but it does not excuse the fact that it makes no sense. It, <laughs> like that's it matters, Gabe. It matters because the people that seed look at that. It matters because that is a part of the formula in which they seed teams for the NCAA tournament. It doesn't make it doesn't mean that it's not a weird, nerdy, arbitrary formula or algorithm. hundred percent. It matters because the people that matter use it. Yes. That's the only reason why it matters. And that's why it's so frustrating to me. Is that it's like literally, like you said, FAU. They have what are they, twenty sixth in net now? Twenty sixth in yeah, net. 26th. They have two quad four losses, one quad three loss, and they are still close to twenty twenty six. 20, think, is it twenty or six? I think they dropped to twenty. They 26 dropped one spot to for losing to Charlotte. They're yeah. twenty spots ahead of the Tigers, who have the second most quad one and quad two wins in the entire country. It just does not. It just does not make sense. No. It doesn't. Like the net is just. I I always thought that if you had more quad one, quad two wins, and you you had good records in those quadrants, you'd be ahead of teams that are not as good right. in those quadrants. That's, the, that's, that's the, not what it is. That's the basic understanding of what it is. That's or what it's not what it to is, be. though. Yeah. And I just don't get it. And I think that's why there's some people that go to like Bart Torvik, yeah, right, who does his it's, does the Ken Pomeroy thing, if you will. Right. So it's like I net is one of those metrics that we have to reference. And like talk about where the Tigers stand, but them being what forty eighth in the net does not match their resume. Not they at are all. they have a top ten resume, at worst. and they're top fifteen in the AP poll. Yet they're forty eighth in net. I just my brain does not compute that, and, it, no. and honestly, there's no way to compute it. No. You, can, you can't you can't rationalize that. So then, what would you say to fans then? Because here's the thing: the the net I think originally was used sparingly like was was sent out sparingly like like as if the like the college playoff rankings right they would do it once every you know after after a few weeks they put out their first college football playoff rankings all that kind of stuff the fans have access to the net every yeah. single day and so even two days ago tigers didn't play and yet texas a&m lost missouri <laughs> lost virginia lost 
Uh, who else lost? Um, Everybody. Clemson. That, yeah. Clemson lost. LSU beat. Um, Who did they beat? Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. All the, and it dropped the Tigers without them even <laughs> playing. Dropped them almost double digit spots in the yeah, net. What? So my question to you then is this: Should fans? How should fans react and respond to the net? Why does it? Why does it matter? I, I honestly, I'll, I'll say how that. How should they respond? Um, I think at this particular moment with where we're at and how the net rankings are shaking out in one ear, out the other. Yeah, just let it go. It. It let it matter. go for now. Um, because if you just go by the metrics that the net uses, they're better than, what, 95, 99% of the country yeah. as far as their resume is concerned. Yeah. I, I know that people are going to hang on every game and see how it affects the net, but I'm just not interested in that at this no, particular I, moment because I just don't I don't think it matches what the Tigers have actually accomplished. I don't either. I wouldn't I wouldn't even hardly pay attention to it. I mean now if if you look down the road and Memphis is twenty six and two and they're still hardly a top fifty team or even a top forty team at that well, point. Well, but then but here's the thing about the net. Remember the COVID year? Yeah. Colgate was a top five net team all year. Who the hell did they play? Because they were only playing in-conference opponents. What are they in the freaking Patriot League? Something. Something like Pioneer League? Who the hell knows? What, I think you. Colgate probably in the Patriot League if I'm if I I'm probably wrong. Who knows? Who knows? I don't I don't keep up all that. But they were a top five net team all year. It it they didn't it didn't affect no. how people nationally were going to view them, how the committee was going to view them. I think there's some net rankings that um just don't match up and i think the committee hopefully by the time we get to march if it's sort of if this trend continues hopefully they can read through that bs yeah you're, that's hey, you're my spot hope. on you're spot patriot on uh, they're in the patriot league yeah. yeah nice you're a genius all right last thing on memphis basketball and then we're going to take a quick break it was announced on monday that memphis freshman jj taylor and mikey williams are both in the transfer portal i'm going to go before you just for a second because you and i personally Kind of been clamoring for this for a long time. Let's just call it, I mean, let's call it what it is. There is no need for this team in this scenario with what they did in the transfer portal, with what they have going on, there was no reason in the first place for them to come to campus. With the stuff that was surrounding Mikey Williams, with reports that we had heard about J.J. Taylor and what some of the things that he was doing and how he – Kind of seemed to be a little bit lazy himself. I think. I think, and that there there was no need. And I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that in a. I hope JJ Taylor and Mikey Williams never have success in their career. Of course like, not. So I don't want it to be painted like that. But this team in this scenario, there was no need for them to be here. They did not need to be here. They were never going to play heavy minutes this year. They were probably going to transfer after this year anyway because they weren't going to play heavy minutes. So it just it, it to me. And I said this from the beginning, as soon as we start, started seeing this transfer class put together, there's no need for Mikey Williams and J.J. Taylor to be here. I thought if Penny wasn't so loyal, he probably would have cut ties with both before they got on campus, I think. Uh -huh. Because I think he's probably known the entire time that there was no sense in them being here after what they were able to to get leading up to the offseason, or in the offseason leading up to the season. All right, so I'm going to start at one place. I always thought that the Mikey Williams and J.J. Taylor, the figure of who they were coming in, always was more than the talent. Agreed. That's what I always thought. Agreed. Now, they could grow into fantastic basketball For players, sure. but if you follow the history of J.J. Taylor and, and you hear some of the murmurs within the locker room about how he has, he's sort of complacent 
Um, maybe isn't the, the, it, the hardest worker behind maybe, the doors. Yeah, like that type of thing. You've seen that. Like that showed through his recruitment process. Yeah. What his sophomore year when they finally published two four seven rankings, he was number one. Yeah. He he fell he fell into the what the top one fifty. He was yeah. like hundred something. Yeah. Um so you've been sort of seeing the regression. The regression there. Mikey Williams with all the the case itself, like uh, that was just something I never really wanted to see the University of Memphis deal with. No. I think though. Penny handled this really well. I, do too. I think Penny I'm showed not- I'm going to stand by these guys until I can't anymore. They were a package deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's also very revealing of Mikey Williams and JJ Taylor's character to a certain extent. Mikey Williams was stood behind this entire time by the university and by Penny Hardaway. Yeah. There are there are very few university universities in this country that would have stood behind Mikey Williams for sure. in the in with nine felony charges for assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah. There are very few. And how does he repay the university and, and, and Penny Hardaway? Mount. He gets the hell out. Yeah. He gets in the transfer portal. So I think that's very telling. Um, and then finally, I, I'm just going to blatantly say it. I think it's a good thing. I do too. It's an overwhelmingly good thing. I do too. I think you, 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 you rid limit yourself, distractions. You limit distractions. You rid yourself of this nasty uh, cloud of like, oh, well, Penny vets and lets criminals play on his team. Right. No matter how stupid that is, that's a national media narrative. Uh, you you get rid of the old way you tried to recruit that never really worked. You don't have to worry about even the thought of pity minutes no. with Mikey Williams anymore. I just think – and now you have two, two open scholarships yep. going into this next recruiting cycle. I think this is an – some people can view it differently. I think this is an overwhelmingly good thing. I do too. A hundred percent because and, and I wouldn't normally say this in the past. It would have been ridiculous to say, a, you know, a couple of top 150 recruits leaving is a good thing. But I think in this situation yeah. with the hand that's been dealt with the way that Memphis recruits with what Penny has done with this program and the direction this program is headed, I think it's a good thing. They're off campus. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And going back to what you were saying about Penny, like Penny comes out of this thing looking beautiful because he kept his commitment to two players that, he recruited and that committed to the university, even when there was a lot of questions of should he stick by Mikey Williams or should he move away from this. So he really, he really made sure there would there would be no negative recruiting lines against him for cutting bait on two guys because we just had a feeling the whole time if he, he's going to cut ties with Mikey, he's going to cut ties with JJ as well. And so he stuck by those guys. He made it through all of that that entire storm and came out on the other side. And then they leave. So I think for Penny, it's great because they, you can't use any negative recruiting against them and how he is loyal and stuff like that. And then also for the university, you remove those distractions. For the locker room, you remove those the distractions. You remove people bringing them up because there's no, there was never any need to bring them up. I know people love headlines. I know people love things that grab attention. But Mikey Williams is, it was never going to make a difference this year. And I know because people get caught. And there was always going to be a question about even if he stayed, if he's going to make a difference. Exactly. He had to develop as a basketball player. No one's going to deny that. He was an all. He's he's. Oh, there's a lot of people that would deny that. But he, yeah, but he projects as an off guard. Yes. And and he's he's the size of a point guard. He's six foot maybe. Right. And he was a very volume. He was a big volume shooter throughout his high school and AAU days. Like there's a huge question about if he would have ever. Right. Amounted to anything. And we'll see probably in a different uniform. But people are so caught up nowadays in the Instagram videos and the social media stuff 
that if you ask like the casual fan if Mikey Williams was a big addition for this year, they probably would have said, yeah, Mikey Hell Williams yeah. is. He's going to be a starting point guard this year yes. and probably be the AAC Newcomer of the Year. And Oh, absolutely. That's that's the perception, but perception is not reality in this circumstance at all because he was never going to make a difference on this team. He was not ready. J.J. Taylor? Clearly. J.J. Taylor has all the talent in the world. There's a reason that he was the number one overall player when he was a sophomore in high school. But he was never going to contribute on this team because, as you mentioned, there was the regression throughout his career, and questions have been brought up about what he's like in the locker room. We can't, we can only, you know, speculate on that. We don't know. We're not there. But these guys being gone, we can only really tell you what we've heard, right? <laughs> you know, right. Like in the end of the day, and the, these guys being gone, as you're saying, it's overwhelmingly positive. It's it was good for the team. It's good for the university. Clearer picture. Yes, 100%, all that. One hundred percent. It was crazy to me, even after the season started. When Jalen Young played the backup point guard minutes and you see him come out on the defensive side of the ball and the intensity and effort in which he gives on the defensive side of the ball, the way he's able to control the offense. Even You saw it last night, even. He didn't have to have many stats, didn't have to do a whole lot. But when he got out there, the energy <laughs> changed, everything changed. There were people after those first couple of games in the, uh, in, in the season that said, when Mikey gets here, he's taking J- Jalen Young's spot. No. And I'm like, are you, are you crazy? kidding me? Are you crazy? Well, in the end of the day, do you did okay? Just being real with yourself, with Mikey's profile and who he was coming in, has you know, like quite frankly, uh, based on the mistakes he has made, you probably can surmise he probably thinks his shit doesn't stink. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So even if that didn't go, like, do you really think he would have the he would humble himself enough to be a defensive ace and do all the dirty work and go block people at the rim no. like Jalen Young. No. That was never a real that was never a reality. No. No, you are absolutely right. Well, Gabe, talking about JJ Taylor, we're talking about Mikey Williams and them leaving the program. You know what would be terrible for us? Oh, if Kenny Stubblefield left. Kenny Stubblefield left the program. But he's not. We'd be in shambles. It would no. not be an overwhelming positive. It would be one hundred percent across the board negative. So we're thankful for Kenny. He uh, he uh, was giving us some compliments at the beginning of the episode, so we got to return the favor for him. The show would not be the same without one Kenny Stubblefield. He does a pretty decent job every week of hooking up our Hot 3, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back on the other side with the Hot 3. People want to project their beliefs and their perceptions mm-hmm. and mold somebody to look like they want them to look and act like they right. want them to act, man. Thing about it, if somebody gonna dislike you, they gonna dislike you regardless of mm-hmm. what you do, dog. You can sit here and be the nicest dude, you know, singing uh, uh, carols and everything. They mm-hmm. still gonna talk about you. So with Ja, I think it's his swagger. I think it's his attitude. I think it's his confidence. It's almost like they trying to break him. They like, man, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's too hip hop. Yeah. What's too hip hop? <laughs> right. That's what they saying without saying it. Right. You know, like same thing they used to say about AI. Mm-hmm. Because it's the influence and the power he yeah, has. You got to look at Ja, man. He's the most entertaining NBA pl- player in the NBA. Yeah, I ain't saying he the best. He's, He's the, the most, most entertaining. entertaining. Yep. So when you have that power and that influence, you want to try to control it. If you can't control it, now you're going to try to tear them down and try to break yeah. them a little bit. Yeah. So it seems like, so that's why they keep saying, have you changed anybody in your circle? And his team was like, no, because they trying to get in. Right. They trying to we get wanna in. We want to be your circle. We want to get in yeah. so we can uh-huh. mold you to how we want you to act mm-hmm. and how we want you to move. Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel.
Look, I get both sides. You win every game by one, you're a national champion. 100%. In order to make that path to a national championship a little bit more in your favor, it helps metrically huh. to beat the dog piss out of the teams you're supposed to beat the dog piss out of. What is it? Does it? Because, because all we're doing is what? falling down the net. This dude's big ass <laughs> truck certified. <laughs> Kenny told Trey if he used the word net, he was going to throw something at him. And he, did. he threw the softest microphone cover in he the did. world at me. I didn't know what it, it looked like a brick. I thought I was about to be home alone too, <laughs> New York City. Suck brick, kid. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I will say the last two games have been disappointing to say the least. You think Ten Penny gives one zero? That's my problem. No. Yeah. About you the, have to. No, you don't. Yes, you do. You don't have to. You don't have you to. You don't have to. You do. That is it, for the nerds out there. It's in not. The, that, that, they use that shit for seeding. It is January 2nd. It is too damn early to be worrying about those metrics to me. Yes. It's not. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Discover a world of possibilities at Streetcars of Memphis. Revamp your ride with the ultimate auto transformation. From booming audio systems to eye-catching wheels, powerful lift kits to sleek drop kits, cutting-edge LED lights and light bars, we've got it all. Unleash your style with confidence. Feel the next level of auto care at Streetcars of Memphis. Your dream ride is just a visit away. Visit us online at www.901scm.com and let the transformation begin. Oh, we're back. We are back. I almost didn't come back. You almost didn't? You almost entered the portal? I almost entered the portal on you, you guys. I'm glad you did. Like, somebody else is going to pick me up and appreciate me for what I do. Glad we slung you a bag to keep you here. <laughs> I'm here. Gabe's like, I don't give a crap. Not at all. <laughs> you got a bag? Where's my bag? I know, that's right? All, that's all I'm hearing right now. <laughs> oh, man. Boys, I'm, I am sitting here in this room, and I got the window open behind me, and it is raining it like is, you would never believe, it man. It is freezing in here. It is. Yeah, it's, Almost put on my coat. It, I, I wouldn't have blamed you. <laughs> all right, let's get going. This is the Hot 3 sponsored by Streetcars of Memphis. Streetcars of Memphis is a locally owned uh, Memphis uh, auto body shop, man. Listen. It, the weather changes so much around here. It was warm the other day. It's cold now. Then it's rainy. About to get some snow. Whatever. Our cars need to keep up with the with the weather out here, right? Like it's we got to do different things to our cars to get them ready for each season that we're in. Well, Street Cars of Memphis can do that for you, man. They can do anything and everything. The daily maintenance type stuff. Plus, man, they can jack your ride up. They can really, really mess your not mess your <laughs> don't car mess up. It up. They don't mess your car up. They can really. Swagger pimp your car. Pimp that ride. That's right. I wish they could teach driving classes in the city of Memphis, especially <laughs> for rain. My gosh. They might, they, but this is how good they are. They might look into that. They just might. For you. They, they might. might. Just for you, Christian, they might start it's looking so at some bad. driving classes. So bad. Hey, listen, check out Streetcars of Memphis 901SCOM.com. If you want to go and uh, do anything there, you can go on their website, 
get any kind of uh, service, anything like that. But one thing they're doing right now in the month of January for On the Bluff listeners only is they are giving us a $55 oil change or a $65 synthetic oil change, which is basically the price of the oil. The oil. It's, it's basically at price, at cost. That's a good deal. That's a very good deal. You can use the code word, the code phrase, on the bluff, all capital letters, on the bluff, by going to 901SEOM.com or 323-3332 and check out their, um, all the service they offer and get your oil change at cost. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for uh, sponsoring the Hot 3. Now, what do we got? You guys ready? Yes, of course. Segment number one, or topic number one. Let's go Grizzlies for the for, for the weekend. Let's go. Let's go into that first. Uh, man, Jaw's back. Jaw got sick. Um, played a couple of games. They won four in a row. Then they lost three in a row. Came out. I don't remember much about this weekend because I was at a volleyball tournament. But they won last night against the Suns. Came 121, back. One twenty-one, one fifteen. It's a great game. One twenty-seven, one thirteen against the Lakers. Yep. What are y'all's thoughts? What have y'all seen in these last two games, especially against the Lakers and the Suns? Like you see, a, you see something, a trend turning. You see something happening, or do you see what are y'all? What are y'all seeing? I, I'm, I can't get my hopes up yet because just like you mentioned, they win for the lose. They, they've been very inconsistent since Ja came back. Is it better? They're seven and four with job. They back. are. It's it's much better, much better. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's we're, not even we're, close. we're in different territory yes, right now. Yes. But now it's about being consistent because we talked about salvaging the season a couple weeks ago and what that looks like. Does that look like getting back to five hundred? Does it look like just being competitive? Does it look like getting in the play in? Like we we don't know where this barometer necessarily is for success right now, but they do have to be consistent and, and they've been much more consistent. But this is. This has kind of been the trend, uh, in, in my opinion. You get games against the Lakers and the Suns, big-time games. You win both of those games. But they, they've shown over the last 11 that they can drop some games that maybe they shouldn't have as well. So now it's just about being consistent. We've talked about a lot with the Tigers. Same yeah. thing for the Grizzlies, just being consistent in these games. But have I'm going to continue to say, is it much better? Is the bar set much higher now that John Moran is in uniform? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt, this is not the team that it was a month ago. They're in a much better place. But now it's just about stringing this stuff together and continuing yeah. to pile up wins. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still 13-23. and 23. Right. You know, like, in the end of the day, I'm not going to get my hopes up for no. postseason or playoff aspirations. Not at all. Although they're four and a half behind the, the 10 spot. Right. And they've just beat two teams ahead of them, and the Lakers and the Suns at their place. you got to give respect where respect is due. Sure. As far as trends are concerned, Kenny, um, I think we're, we're seeing some similar trends that we've seen all year with the top guys. Jaron Jackson Jr. is unreal right now. Like, he's playing. Yeah. I thought his game against the Suns might have been his best game oh my in a Grizzlies uniform. Just dominant. 28-10, had a double-double six assists. Yeah. And he still was great on the defensive end. Had a couple blocks to add to that. It, like, he has shown up every single game he's missed has he even missed a game all year no i could feel yeah he's played every single game he's shown up and he showed out desmond bain against the lakers 24 points 13 dimes <laughs> yeah 13 because that's one thing that actually gives me a lot of hope going into the future is yes. we've always talked about with john Morant when he's not on the floor or when somebody else when, when another team takes him away he's your one creator yep 
Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain are showing they can create in their own yes, right. for sure. Right? So, like, that's huge for a half-court offense developing into the future. That's huge for uh, this year, what it's going to look like, um, just generating offense. Um, but, you know, against the Lakers, they hit a shitload of threes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they set the franchise record <laughs> for threes made on the road. Yeah. Um, and then against... The Suns, I genuinely just look at Vince Williams Jr. as the difference maker. Good God, that kid has it. I'm yep. sorry. Like, you can say what you want about, oh, maybe you're overblowing who Vince Williams no. Jr. is. Here's where I'm going to go with this. Offensively, people, you can say, I want to see him hit more shots. I want to see him get more involved in the offensive end and for him to be more consistent on that end of the floor. One thing that you're never going to be able to take away from him, and I mean never, is the activity oh and everything he does on the defensive end of the ball and in rebounding. Yes. That's It's effort and it is intensity, and he plays like a psychopath. Right. He has black Air Force One energy <laughs> out yes. there on the floor. That's what he does. I, that, there, there was one sequence in the end of that Suns game that just it, it encapsulates who he is as a player. There's about two minutes to go. He goes down. He has a, he has a, a, a lead in the break, getting in transition. He tries to take a layup at the rim. Misses yeah. with his right hand. He's a lefty. Misses. But what does he do? He gets the rebound, kicks it out to Jaron in the corner. They try a three ball. He misses. Vince Williams Jr. taps it right back out to Jaron Jackson Jr., swing it up to the top of the key to Desmond Bain. And with 148 on the clock, he hits a three to go up 115. 114 flips the game because he gave an extra effort even after missing a layup. Right. He and the reason I call him a psycho is he it clearly doesn't get excited by the things that other basketball players get excited about. Finishing at the rim, knocking down a three ball, a cool assist, you know, the, right. those highlight plays. No, he it's, gets it's he gets hyped stuff. up about getting rebounds, right. getting tap outs, getting steals, getting blocks, yeah. and, and playing off screens, making other teams get offensive fouls on him because he's playing. He gets excited about those things. Yeah. And that's what you need a guy like that on any this good is my team. Favorite kind of players. And um, I, I, I mean, we saw the 19 points he put up against the Suns. I don't think he is. I don't think he's completely offensively deficient. Like he has some skills that you can utilize. He can and shoot work. the ball. That's what he and, came in as, and and work toward. Like you can make him a very solid offensive piece if you continue right. to give him minutes and continue to work with him because he's got the ability. Yeah. So yep. that's I, I think. That guy's exciting to me, and he I know is. people get annoyed with me. They're like, you're, you're just putting out that Vince Williams Jr. propaganda. Well, get used to it. It's coming, it's, baby. It's, it's, it, it ain't ending anytime it, soon. It, it's like the same thing that happened with the Anthony Milton. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. And, and similar play styles, not necessarily the most consistent offensive like, and player. I, I swear, we have, we're talking about a defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart, and I watch when Vince Williams Jr. is out there. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, 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 sometimes I'm like, he's the best perimeter defender they have on this team, yeah. and it's a team with Marcus Smart. Right. No, 100%. It's ridiculous. Like, and okay, I want to see the sample size get larger. I want to see all those things. I want to see his contract get converted before the 50 games are up because he has 50 games right. to play before he'd be sort of out there on the open market. So convert that damn thing. Um, but, man, like, I, I just can't say enough good things about this guy. Love he's. It. He's headed. He's got this team headed in the right direction. Yep, love it, Kenny. Topic number well, two. We're well, not going topic number two. We got a couple more things to talk about the Grizzlies. 
Before you got here, Christian, before you got here to the studio, Gabe and I were talking. Okay. <laughs> and Gabe is very clearly in Team Fire Taylor Jenkins. No, I, oh, shut the hell up. That is literally the opposite. Oh, I know what you're doing, though, my right bad, now. My bad, my yeah. bad, my bad. So you're, you want to fire him, but no. not right now? No, 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 no. You see, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, what, I say, what I said is I think people are over, are way too are way too caught up in Taylor Jenkins game to game coaching and not caught up on the fact the front office. that the front office has used a lot of draft picks that have not, not come through. Yeah. And this Did was you and a Christian team, talk about this before you this got was here. A team, no, we just know what we're talking this about. This is a team that largely the last two years when they're second in the West and winning fifty games. What it what was what were their good things? What could you point out, right? Offensive rebounding, top of the league. Yep. Rebounding, top of the league. Fast break points, top of the league. Uh, paint points, top of the league. Screen assists with Steven Adams, top yep. of the league. Second chance opportunity, or second chance points, top of the league. We have Taylor Jenkins running out there with a team with no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark, and you're asking him to coach this team to 50 wins. And no they, John Morant for the when, first 25 yeah, games. With no John Morant for the first 25 games. And you're asking him to try to do the same things and replicate it with nothing there that... With no, with the pieces that made all that happen right. gone off to, the to, floor to run his scheme, the things that he needs, to the run things his scheme, that he, he does, does well, have. he doesn't have and right that, now. And that can't and then also, be that can't be fully just placed and, on him. And then listen, there's sometimes where I get annoyed with his his rotations and starting light. Like I didn't get the Xavier Tillman starting him after three games of Bismack Biombo. Bismack Biombo has a good game, then you just put Xavier Tillman in there after DNPs. I yeah. think that was. Very weird. Yeah. Um, so I get not where, playing where Vince after I, three I, games <laughs> of balling out. I get I get yeah. where people get frustrated by those type of things, but in the end of the day, Taylor Jenkins has two guys on his roster: Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain, who shoot over thirty five percent from three. There's no other team in the league that are in his rotation. There's no other team in the league with less than four guys that shoot over thirty five percent from three in their in their rotation. You're asking him to run a modern-day offense, fix the half-court offense without the pieces to do it. Right. And it's just like, I, you know, in the end of the day, I think it's it's more on Zach Kleiman in the front office and roster construction than anything we could talk about with Taylor Jenkins. And, and of course, I think when you have struggles, people look for somebody to fall on the sword. Yeah. Oh, you know, and usually it's the, the NBA head coach, head coach yeah. especially in the NBA. We've seen sure. guys, right? But I don't think that that is the truth of what's happening right now no, or what has happened previously why this start is so ugly i agree if i if i honestly if i tried to respond to that i'd probably just <laughs> say the same thing that you yeah, just said I, in a different I, way because I, just, I i completely agree with it i just get i i this is nitpicking of 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 taylor jenkins when it's just like you want him to maximize this he's, roster. He's handcuffed a little bit. You want him to maximize this roster, but what what's there to maximize? Yeah. <laughs> like, because last time I checked, just about every game that Ja, Jaron, and Dez have been in the uh, lineup together, they've all gotten twenty points. Yeah. Marcus Smart, okay, you can talk about that. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's never been great as a as a scorer all the time. Like he's inefficient. I, I don't know. I just think that when you say, oh, I don't think Taylor Jenkins has maximized this team this year. Okay, we can have that conversation, but what's what's what, there to what's, maximize? What's he maximizing? Yeah, I agree. That, All right. that, yeah. We got one more NBA topic and to And by discuss. the way, real quick, real quick. Yes. John Morant, Sling, what are we thinking? Uh, that's probably where Kenny I, was there going. Was, there, was some, there was some rumors, there was some discussion about him just because they said, oh, well, he, he went through his workout and he was sore. His shoulder was sore. 
my experience with sore shoulders is they usually aren't in a sling. Yeah. No, I've I've, I've usually had, you just sort of you know you just let, let it, it hang. Yeah. No, I've had I've had Get sore, a massage. Sore, sore sore shoulders from working out before. Never once have <laughs> he I did put, too many shrugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never once have I put on a sling. So yeah. we. We shall see. Yeah, right. I'm curious about it. I, I, I gotta say, too. I am too. All right, last NBA topic, and then we'll move on because I know you guys are pretty short-winded when it comes to NFL stuff. So I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> that's why we're hanging in NBA for a little bit. Uh, you guys might not even know about this because um, y'all are both just incredibly busy during the day. But this afternoon it came out. Podcast dropped. The Draymond Green podcast oh, dropped. Oh God, we're doing this. Yes, we are doing no, this. Oh, kidding. Christian, are you aware? Yeah, I saw. Oh, okay, cool. He's coming back. He's got he's, a week to so ramp he's up. He's coming yeah. back. He's Hell ramping yeah. up. He got reinstated. Missed twelve games. Um, he comes out today in his podcast, and he and I'm going to read the quote for you. All right, he says, "I'm already rolling my." Eyes. I know you are. He he goes. He's in a meeting with Adam Silver, and he says, <laughs> "I told him, Adam, this is my Draymond Green voice. Adam, this is all too much for me." This is too much. <laughs> it's all becoming too much for me. And I'm going to retire. <laughs> and apparently Adam Silver said, you're making a very rash decision, and I won't let you do that. <laughs> now, this is the same dude who literally choked out Rudy oh Gobert and then punched Yusuf Nurkic in the face in a game. <laughs> Also punched his own teammate. And he's also kicked, punched uh, his own teammate. How balls has he kicked? He's kicked numerous balls over the years. Numerous. Numerous. I mean, we're talking about Many a dude. balls. We're talking about a dude who is constantly uh, at the top of the list in technical fouls every single year. <laughs> yep. And he's now saying, this is just too much for me. And Adam Silver <laughs> told me not to retire, so I'm coming back. What Ugh. are your guys' thoughts on all that? It's just Shut, weird. Just, no, it's just, just, don't it's just, don't, just don't even do it. Just don't even. It's not even weird. Just move it's it just, on. Draymond, shut up. <laughs> it's fair. Be quiet. You you know you're you know you this is this is about as real as LeBron's retirement last year. Okay, you were never gonna retire. And also <laughs> for you to be, it's, I saw something by Aaron Rodgers. I'm gonna mention here in a second, but it's like. You're saying you're going to retire because of your self-inflicted wounds? Because yeah, of what because you, of what you did? did? Because yeah. it's too much for me. It reminds me much. of the Aaron Rodgers story that came out today, how I, I feel very similar about that. He said, um, you know, if we're, if we're going to be the best team we can going into next year, we need to rid ourselves of the BS in the facility. <laughs> it's like, Aaron, are you really saying that yeah, out you? loud right now? You literally are 100% of the distractions yeah. in that facility right now. Yeah. You just said Jimmy Kimmel was a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like, but in the end of the day, like, stop with the, that's just drama for the sake of trying to create drama yeah. and try to be it. Draymond playing a victim card, kind of. That's, that's sort of what weird. he was trying to do. It was, that is it was. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. You're not a victim. You never no. have been. No. In fact, you've been enabled this long tack this sure. way. This has happened before. And Adam finally decided to come, you know. Uh, pass a harsh punishment down, yep. and it was well deserved. Yeah. So that's all I have to say on that. All right, Kenny, let's roll. Topic number two. Let's go to the NFL. Man, all right. So th we're at the point in the season where NFL teams are either thinking about the future, their off season, or they're thinking about playoffs. So let's go to playoffs first. Okay. Talk to me about what these teams are doing, the, the playoff teams that are in, what you're looking forward to over the next few weeks. I mean, it's starting. Christian, you're there. You're going to be there for the wild card. I will. Talk to us about the – talk to me about the uh, playoffs, the playoff teams. Um, 
how do you want to how do you want to go about this game? You I don't want to go through every game do or you anything wanna, like let's, that. Let's do let's like give shout outs where shout outs are due. I think first the Texans are at Texans, the top of the list. Shout out list ten and seven. Won the South first first uh, playoff uh, appearance since twenty nineteen. Yep. Um, won the South. C.J. Stroud was C.J. Phenomenal. Stroud is that dude, man. And, and what D'Amico really, Ryan. Yes, for sure. No, but no one jumps off the page mm. with the C.J. Stroud thing. And watching that game Saturday against the Colts, like, notes I'm writing down for my show. He gets in there, then a tie game on the road, playoffs on the line against the division rival, and proceeds to go 7-for-7 seven for, seven for 80 yards and gets the game-winning touchdown in there. Yeah. Like I, I am not as a rookie. I, I as a rookie. As a rookie, I'm not going to be going against anybody in the near future when he gets put in these top ten quarterback lists. And if someone has the gall or whatever, if you think they have gall to put him in a top five list, I don't know if I'm really ready to to argue with anybody. This guy's talent is shown through, and he took a team that we thought was going to win, what, three games? Yeah. And has them in the playoffs with 10 wins. Yeah, and winning their division is pretty crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, yeah, so big shout-out, Tim. Big shout-out to the Bills as well. This is a team that was on the outside looking in just five weeks ago, seven and six. They won their last... Last five. Last five? Was it their last five or last, last four? Last four. <laughs> yeah, seven and six, and they finished 11 and six. Yeah, uh, you're right. Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots... Dolphins. Dolphins. I think that's yep. right. This is the last four. Um, a lot A lot of people were, okay, the Bills have peaked. They have no chance. There's no way that they're going to get back in it now. Even if they do, they're not a threat. Well, they went from on the outside looking in to the two seed. Playing the Steelers. Play, yeah, playing the Steelers with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And honestly, like, why, well, why not? not? I'm there with you. Why not? Because... The, Ra- right. the Ravens are the best team, but Lamar Jackson has not shown ability to win in the playoffs. So Here's the real conversation. What, what you got? Of teams that are going to win the AFC outside of the Ravens. Chiefs or Bills? Bills. Bills 100 times out of 100 for yep. me. Maybe not 100 times out of 100 because the Chiefs Okay, still I overstated the be- that. They, about, about, about 75 70, times yeah. out of 100. Uh, Chief, I, I overstated that, the, but the, yes. The Chiefs has a, have a top five defense, and they have the best quarterback in the entire world and the history of the entire world, so there's always With no a wide receivers and, a, and an True. aging Travis Kelsey. I would 100% go Bills over them. Bills yes. can play good defense. The Bills have Josh Allen. The Bills can run the ball. <laughs> the issue is, though, they're a different team every week. They are. That's the thing. They're Jekyll like, and Hyde. Even, even against the Dolphins, I'm like, I'm, there's nothing about this performance. No, I'm like, Josh Allen threw Josh two Allen, picks. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Yeah. Like, that's what he did. Yeah, he was he was down here and up here in the same game. Yes. Like he is pretty much every, every week. Yeah. There's some games where he's just up just here. Just up there. And there's been some games yes, where he's just down but here. Like, but I, most, I, of the time, most of the time with Josh yeah, Allen, you got to take the good with take, the bad. Yeah. It's, the, it's Brett Favre. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm taking the Bills over them right now. Yeah, I would too. Um, but even in that, was it the Chargers game that they won barely? Yeah. Against that nasty Chargers team the, 20. Week, the week before <laughs> yeah. did got blown out by the Raiders. That was with Easton Stick at quarterback. Yes, also. yes. Yeah. The, and, Bills and, make no sense to me, but I still would take them over the Chiefs because I just don't think the Chiefs are very good. Yeah, before we go any, any further, something that just popped into my head. Going into the season, we all talked about the AFC and how – it's going to be hard not to see a champion coming from the AFC. The AFC clearly going into the year was the the superior conference to the NFC. Now I'm looking around, and it, it's kind of flipped, flipped on its head. Because yeah. the AFC, 
Doesn't but, look great. I get Joe Burrow got hurt. Justin it, Herbert got hurt. The Chiefs haven't been the injuries. Chiefs. The Bills haven't been the Bills. The Ravens have been the best team. But still, like the NFC has stood out a lot. Like but the, the Ravens been really good. But we could also make the argument the best. Ra- I mean, the best not team a, in the league. The best team in the league is, is the, Ravens. the Ravens. Yeah, I agree. Mike Mac- Mike McDonald's done a great job with yeah, that defense. defense. Um, Todd Munkin, great on offense. Yep. Lamar's the MVP. Yep. He's got more to throw to, even though I think we overdid how much how he had to throw to. We've already talked yeah. about that. But the Ravens, I mean, going into the playoffs with a, a massive win, double-digit win over the 49ers, 56-19 to 19 over the Dolphins. Yeah. And I also saw something about the Dolphins. When they play teams that are 500 or uh, or above, they're 1-5 this year with the third-worst point differential against teams that are 500 yeah, and above. I saw it, too. It's crazy. I, I don't I don't buy into them either. No, I don't either. Um Matthew Stafford returning home to Detroit. We have a lot of stuff like that, don't we? There is, yeah. I, I know that the Texans and Browns, like Deshaun Watson's hurt, but there is a history there. Right. Um we have that. We have Mike McCarthy versus former team in the Packers. Yep. We have Tyreek Hill visit or Vers- yeah, visiting the, the, the Chiefs. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So there's I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. But yep. Matt Stafford, that's gonna be that's gonna be very I wonder how Detroit fans handle that. I know they're going to, like, give him his love, but also this is a massive playoff game for yeah. them. I think, the, is, I, think, I think the Rams are going to win that game. I, I see. Whatever. Are y'all surprised by the Rams I'm this not, year? Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Sure. They're supposed to be terrible. 100%. I, I, I don't fully believe that because I think the, the Lions are kind of like the Bills. The Lions are really good some weeks and they're really bad some weeks. And I think, I don't know, I just kind of lean quarterback on that one. And not that golf hasn't been really good the last two years, but Stafford – has been balling over the last seven weeks. You got Cooper Cup. You got Puka Nakua. Kyron Williams has Puka, been. Puka, bro. What? How? I don't know. Doesn't broke the rookie sense. receiving record. Yeah. Receptions and yards. Yeah. Bro- broke both of them. That's nuts. Um, So, yeah, that that's a fun matchup. You mentioned Cowboys-Packers. Packers and Cowboys obviously have a lot of history, not only in the playoffs, but just over the span of their lifetimes in the NFL. Mike McCarthy being uh, the last coach to win a Super Bowl in Titletown. They're coming to yeah. to Dallas. Like that's that's a fun storyline in and of itself. First year quarterback, first playoff game against Dak, who who's got to prove it. Who's got to prove it in this scenario? He had a hell of a year though. He did. Um, what else is in the NFC? What's the last game in the NFC? Oh, Bucks Eagles, which is a weird <laughs> game in and of itself. Well, but the the Eagles have lost the teams way worse than Come they on, lost man. the Giants. Is it? They Come lost on, the man. Giants. They've lost their last five games. Yeah, five of their last six. Games, five of their like? last six. What yeah. an epic meltdown for the Eagles if they lose this game of, for the year. Because they're eleven got, and six, they lost five of their last. Yeah, six. they were. They were. They're they were ten, ten and, one. and one. They were ten and one. Yeah, yeah, and they have absolutely just. <laughs> they beat the Giants, tanked. then lost the Giants. Right, and Devontae Smith is hurt. AJ Brown got injured on Sunday. Jalen Hurts got injured on Sunday. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if I, Philadelphia I, goes to Tampa no, and loses to no, Tampa. No, not at all. And what's funny to me is like you'll ask people like. What has gone wrong with that team? And they'll either give you one side of the ball or the other. Most people say defense. Second, oh, their defense, is, their defense, and their secondary, secondary. stinks. Their offense hadn't been good either. Not at all. Like let's not let's not fake like Jalen Hurts is having a you know a recreation of last year. You gave not him the all. big contract, and he's not who he was. No. Nope. And there's other things that could be a part of that. I think personally, if I'm just reading through everything, I think we discounted the fact that they lost both coordinators. 
Oh, Shane yeah. Steichen and Jonathan Gannon meant a lot. And what the and and, continuity and, means and, a lot and in respect, football locker And respectively, rooms. what those guys are doing. I know Jonathan yeah. Gannon in Arizona. Shane Steichen, though, he, how good do you have to be to go to have a winning record with Gardner with that, Minshew? Not only with Gardner Minshew, with a terrible team, top to bottom, really. In Indiana. Eh, not, it's not a great. It's not a great team. It's not the best roster, but it's it's manageable. I think five and a half was their preseason win total. It's it's a manageable roster. They have it, some it's not, talent. It's, it's not horrible, but it's not good defensively. Right. Like name three players on their their defense is not good. They don't have many pieces on that defense offensively not much there either as far as skill positions go outside of michael pittman and jonathan taylor so it's not a great team anyway right but and then you throw in a backup quarterback he maximized everything he, this is the 100%. best he could have done and jonathan gannon was was kind of one one arm tied behind the back for the majority of the season with the quarterback situation but the cardinals were pretty competitive down the stretch yeah. they played once kyler good. got back yeah once kyler came back they played pretty competitive football and talking about the Colts roster, the Cardinals roster, way worse than the Colts. Yeah. Top to bottom. I just think coordinator change really actually, yes. you know, as, as you saw the season go along. Because they were playing with fire even when they were 10-1. Yes. And then you saw those games flip it, to losses. If I'm not wrong, two first-year coordinators for them as, yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a difficult transition. And then we kind of see them get stuck in the mud. The running game hasn't looked good. Jalen Hurts, I still think he's I still think he's bothered by the knee injury. I, I don't think he's ever been fully right since week five or six whatever it was when he injured his knee so yeah interesting playoff matches uh before we move on give it to me super bowl who you got oh gosh uh you know what you going chalk let me go ahead let me let me see something real quick i have to go through here it's hard not to go, I have chalk. To go through not gonna lie. let me let me go through here i had some uh let's see i had my afc and nfc finishes let's see what i had okay this i'm gonna stick to it i'm gonna stick to it i had bills cowboys let me go. Uh, let me go. Bills over Cowboys, twenty-eight seventeen. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Niners Bills. Okay, so we're both going Bills. Yeah, I like. Okay. The, I like the Bills. I think if they get hot. But the, the only thing is, it's like yeah, if if they get hot. But the problem is, you've seen a game where you're like, oh, they're gonna get hot, and then the next game they come out the, and they and win 22, 22 to twenty against, against the Chargers. terrible Chargers after they team. beat the Cowboys the thirty-one to ten. Chargers, yeah, like yeah. It, I have doubts about them stringing together great, For sure. great games in a row, but. Hey, no to better me, time have, than the to, present to, to make that happen. To me, they have the highest ceiling is, no. is my thing. Yeah. All right, Kenny, last topic, and we're going to get out of here. We've gone pretty long, so yeah. let's No, we're good, though. Uh, obviously, you talked about the playoffs, but there are a bunch of teams that have a lot of fans here in the city of Memphis that want to know what your guys' thoughts are as they kind of go into the offseason. What are some of the off big offseason moves, coaches' shakeups, yep. front office shake anything that you see – what are some things that these fans should be paying attention to? We've had Ron Rivera fired. <laughs> Rightfully. Rightfully so. Yes. They were a mess. And uh, truth about Ron Rivera is except for a couple of years with Cam Newton and MVP level, he's, he's not a very a great, average coach. Very average. If not below average. Who else got canned? Who am I missing? Um, uh, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. Well deserved to be canned. 21 and 30 over three years. So much Seven offense. wins a year. Yeah. He was consistent. Consistent. Yeah. But with the amount of offensive talent he's had, it's absurd. The fact that B. John Robinson didn't run for 1,000 yards this year he is found crazy. Him. He found him in the last week of the season yeah, when they he lost finally, 48 he finally to 17. Scored. And then he had the nerve to be mad at Dennis Allen when Jameis Winston changed the play call on the one-yard line. Right, and gave it to Jamal Williams. And I've seen people go off on Jason, Jameis Winston, That too. he should be cut immediately. Yeah, yeah well, that was Shannon Sharp. Shut, shut up. Uh, Shannon, so what is stupid. Shannon Sharp's talking about? I don't he's, know. He's... He said he, he basically was trying to say that it was not... It's a, a chicken shit move. Yeah. And no, you don't cut a guy because he... 
no. changed a play call because he wanted to get a touchdown for his boys. No, I think I think the biggest storyline of the offseason, though, we can we can end it here, and you can give me your thoughts on this as well. Without a doubt, as soon as the games ended on Sunday, the Bears were on the clock. Not only were they on the clock for the number one overall pick, they're also on the clock for what will they do this with is Justin the one. Fields. What do they do? How do they handle this situation? To me, if I'm Chicago, it's a tough one. I think I think with how much struggles Chicago has had at the quarterback position, it's hard not to just get out of this and try again. I still have right. so, I still have some faith Money in Justin savings. Fields. I, to me, this is my perfect world scenario for Justin Fields and the Bears. They trade Justin Fields to Atlanta. Atlanta gets somebody as their head coach that can be creative offensively and is not just someone that came from the Tennessee Titans who have the most important yes. offense in the league. Yes. If they can get someone in with creativity, I think with Justin Fields, Johnson, with B. John Robinson, like yeah, with B. John Robinson, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, Tyler Algier, uh, Drake London, with some of the weapons they have, Atlanta has fun pieces. And yeah. you throw a dynamic quarterback in there that can use and their own lines, that can not use that bad, arms. by the they way, just a, so we're clear. Yeah, solid offensive Lindstrom, line. Chris Lindstrom, uh, Chris Lindstrom yeah. might be one of the best guards in the league. Yeah, for sure. So, to me, best case scenario for Justin Fields is he ends up in Atlanta with a creative offensive coordinator. Yes. And then for Chicago, you, you, you take a pick of the two. It's as crazy as it is now to look at it because eight months ago it was locked in. Caleb Williams was the number one overall pick. A lot of people are split on this decision, whether it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. And I can assure you, whichever one the Bears pick is going to be the wrong one. I can almost guarantee you that. Whichever one, if the Bears take Drake May, he probably won't be very good and Caleb Williams will be an all pro. If they take Caleb Williams, he probably won't be very good and Drake May will probably be an all pro. If we judge anything off of the Chicago yeah, Bears track Bears. record with quarterbacks. I, here's the only thing that really bothers me about the whole quarterback thing, and I get like the restarting of the clock and not paying a lot of money. I get that. Yeah. I just don't think if you're going to go ahead with Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze at OC, I don't know. How is Caleb Williams any different or Drake May no, any they, different than, they, what, than the, what Justin Fields The fact that they haven't cleaned house. Them. The fact that they haven't cleaned just, house. It, that's the frustrating what, part for me. And, and, okay, let's say they were a seven-win team this year that was that was decent and that you know dealt with the Justin Fields injury and they won seven games and uh, maybe they had like a 12 or 13 overall pick. This team has the number one overall pick in the top ten. They have two top ten picks. Yes. This is the this is the time to reset the organization. And did you also see that the the, the number one pick, if you trade it this year, will probably fetch more than it did last year yes. for Bryce Young. And, and, and honestly, I I, I don't I don't hate I don't hate that I don't this. hate that option either. I don't hate them doing it again and trading that pick because what I if, think they get a ton for it. I, I heard someone throw this out there, and I know this is easy, way easier said than done. But let's say. Just for the sake of argument, Washington trades up to the number one pick because they want Caleb Williams. Yeah. And you hold the number, you take their number two pick. Yeah. Right? And then you have a couple of sweeteners in there, third round picks, second round picks, whatever it is, maybe a player. Who knows? You're sitting at number two. Do you, I mean, like, you you immediately take quarterback or do you swing back back again for somebody else who wants Drake May? If you're keeping, if you're keeping, I mean, if you're keeping Justin Fields, then you swing back again. Because you got the Vikings, you got the Falcons, you got the Patriots, you got three more at least quarterback needy teams that are in the top 12. And you're hoping, honestly, at the end of the day, that it's the Falcons or the Vikings. Because if you come up from 9 to 2 or 12 to 2, you're paying an absolute premium and you continue but, this to, to build this team that, despite the draft capital that they have gotten over the past couple of years, are still a pretty talentless team. Yeah. Outside I, of 
Justin Fields and DJ Moore and, a, and think, Montez Sweat and a couple other pieces. I like, think they're, they're they biggest, don't have much. Their biggest position of need, weirdly enough, and this I, I get this. This is my brother. My brother works at 670 score. Alex works at 670 score, and they talk about it all the time. That one of their biggest positions of need is still along the O-line at center. They need somebody there. Because yeah. they have Darnell Wright. Right. They have Tevin Jenkins. They have Braxton Jones. Yep. Like, they have a decent... Like core. Y- core of young guys sure. that are going to grow into themselves. They just don't have anybody at center right now, so no. they need to find somebody there. Um, but it, ultimately, if I'm the if I'm the Bears and I'm thinking rationally, you probably take Caleb Williams at one, and then at nine, unless you trade up even a little higher, uh, you, you try you try to get Roma Dunsey or yep. something like or that, or Malik Neighbors, or Malik Neighbors, something yep. like that. Um, now the other thought would be keep Justin Fields, get Marvin Harrison Jr. and trade down, do yep. all those things, which I wouldn't be totally against either. But this is just sort of one of those moments in the in the Bears um, organizational history where they have to they have to, they hit, have to hit and they have to make the right decision. Because yep. I think Matt Eberflus is going to be gone, but also Ryan Poles has to be careful about keeping his damn job. Yeah, he's it feels like he Second just got year. there he too. Did, he did. Second year. Yeah. All right, well, we are going to wrap it up. We appreciate you guys for joining us. If you are watching on YouTube, hey, you can, real quick, yeah, wrap that shit up. I, I know, I know, I know what I know what Kenny's about to say because I've been seeing it come in. Breaking news, um, Gabe, Gabe give is. the announcement. Uh, this this sucks to bring off off the end of the show because we're not going to talk about it all okay. that heavily. John Morant's out for the year. He has a uh, labrum tear that he's going to have to get surgery on. Oof. Yep. And then uh, let's see, Sham Strania, since he does all this, he says suffered a subluxation of his right shoulder on Saturday after ongoing soreness and instability, and there is that labral tear. So they're not going to have John Morant for so, the rest of the so, year. So much Tank season, baby. Yeah. So, much for any, so much for any optimism or that sling. Vince Williams Jr., give him about 40 minutes a game. <laughs> um, see what you got. Hey, let's go see what, let's see what Gigi has, man. Let's oh, go see yeah. what Gigi well, has. At this, point, at this point, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, if he's out, Steven's out, Brandon Clark's out. It's Just so chalked. Dunzo. It is so chalked. Just, yeah. Tank. All right. We appreciate you guys for joining us. <laughs> That's sorry, terrible to end the show on. Sorry to end on Holy such a bad hell. note, but that is where we at. Oh so my we gosh. appreciate you guys for joining us, and we will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.